0: Welcome to the Nerdaplexi Comic Movie Review Show. In this series, we are going to break down and analyze every comic movie released between 1989's Batman all the way to 2008's Iron Man. We are going to track the trends, hype the hits, and dunk on the duds, all in search of the perfect convergence of comics and cinema. Joining me on this epic journey is my longtime friend and frequent co-conspirator, Sam. The sun is shining. And also joining us is our own personal social media yinku. it's Dave.
1: But the ice is slippery.
0: So sit back, relax, and grab your ponju dagger. What is it called? Furba? Fupa? Furba? Furba. 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 Furba? Furba. Porbis. So sit back, relax, and grab your purba dagger as we dive into the shadow. Shadow nose. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows?
2: The Shadows' is nose. Oh, The Shadows' is prosthetic nose Nose.
0: The Shadows' is nose was silly. So, okay. I understand the conceit. I get that the Shadow is a different person
2: than Alec Baldwin. Lamont Cranston. Jack Donaghy. His prosthetics were more bizarre than his prosthetics in Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice at least made
0: sense. Yeah. I just if you're gonna change the face, why not make it totally something different as opposed to just a more exaggerated because for the whole first time you see him, you're like, is it is this nose actually that big? This is a kind of a weird look. But then it and then he it does the morph and it's like it's slightly less exaggerated. Eyes are a little less blue now. This is no longer a caricature of Alec
2: Baldwin. It's just Alec Baldwin.
0: I get the eye change. I get that. That makes sense, but I don't know. All right. All right. Before we get too deep, let's get some intro facts here. This movie was released July 1st, 1994, directed by Russell McKay. He's starring, and now we've got a real murderer's row here, Alec Baldwin, John Lone, Penelope Ann Miller, Peter Boyle, Ian McKellen, Tim Curry, Jonathan Winters, James Hong shows up in this one. Everybody's in this baby. Jonathan Winters, great. He was probably my favorite in the movie. Peter Boyle does a pretty good job as Moe Shrevens. Moe is pretty cool. Peter Boyle plays a taxi driver in this.
2: Also plays a taxi driver in Taxi Driver. Uh
0: huh. <laughs> Tim Curry shows up in this one and allegedly he took the part just to get a chance to work with Ian McKellen.
2: We'll see Russ Mulcahy one more time, Resident Evil Extinction in
0: 2007.
2: I've not seen that one.
0: I don't know if I have, because much like the Fast and Furious movies, those movies leave my mind as soon as I'm done watching them. (laughs) (laughs) Things happen, zombies are killed, and I go, whoa, that's pretty crazy. There's like a couple of moments where they do a crazy stunt, and I'm like, whoa, that's pretty nuts. And then the movies over, credits roll, I could not tell you a single fucking thing. I've seen every single Fast and Furious movie multiple times. I couldn't tell you the plot of a whole one of any of them.
2: It has to do something with family. And cars. No, Dave, that's cars.
1: Oh, shit, I thought that was planes. The Rock and Vin Diesel get in fights neither of them ever lose. That's all I know about the Fast and the Furious franchise.
0: That's all you know? Are you serious? I've only seen the first one. The Fast and Furious hatchet order, so to speak. Okay. Here's what you can do. You watch the first one decent little action drama kind of like a gone in 60 seconds thing uh skip everything else go straight to four okay four so one four after you watch four if you're vibing then go back and like pick up the other ones because in canon they kind of matter but they kind of also don't one is good just watching the leap that goes from number one where they're stealing dvd vhs tvs to what they're doing in number four It's incredible. All right. I'll watch number four this weekend. I'm so excited for the journey you're about to embark on, sir. (laughs) God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, everyone. So this movie, we open in Tibetan Opium Field. And I've got to say, Jerry Goldsmith is the score on this one. Wow. He's making a meal, of this baby. The score is incredible. Could easily be a score of a Batman movie.
2: Yeah. I was thinking it sounded like 89. Jerry Goldsmith has not composed a thing since, uh, at least since 2004, when he died.
1: The In Memoriam Corner. (laughs) Sam's thing.
0: (laughs) A storied career. Who else is dead in this movie, Sam? That story has ended. Wow, I mean, his, his career is long. My man has been doing this for a while. Had been. Damien Omen 2,
2: pretty good. He's listed filmography in Back to the Present, 2023.
0: He's got a couple saved up, I guess. Ooh, legend. He was the conductor. Why do they have that listed? Why would you do that? He's also a ghost. He's at least a poltergeist. Anyhow, this score is fucking a bop. It's good. I love every second of it. But we get these opium feels, and we get this little interlude. And I don't know... I must have blocked this part out. This
2: whole opening sequence, where Alec Baldwin's got fingernails like JGL and The Punisher, Alec Baldwin's coke nails, they are challenging. I just don't know
0: if I remember that. I feel like this must be a TV watch movie where that shit was absolutely cut out. He's laying in bed with like naked women in the beginning of the movie or whatever. So, uh, he's got a harem. He kills. He kills James Hong like a. Immediately, he kills Lopan. No time at all. He kills Lopan. That's like, come on, like it's really brutal. And he also kills like his number one guy. He says, "I love you like a son," and then he fucking shoots him. It's it's crazy. But then, since he's a white man in Asia, he must be the the savior. He had to be the villain and then the savior. He gets taken to a temple. He learns the ways of the magic fucking CGI golden child dagger. Was that the same dagger from Golden Child? It looked exactly the same. I don't know if it's the same, but that is certainly the style. I, I actually I looked into this a little bit because that's kind of one of those like urban legends. It's like the same prop, but I couldn't I couldn't verify that. So if there's anybody out there who could verify that for me, I would be very appreciative. Eddie Murphy, get at me because yeah, I, I was coming up 50-50 on sources. People saying yes, all people saying no seems more apocryphal than anything. I believe it's the exact same style of Dagger, but I think... It's got a head on it. It's got the little... It's got them teeth. Pointy bits. I don't remember much of Golden Child. Does it also come to life is the real question. Yes. In both movies, it comes to life? I'm
1: fairly certain. But now I don't know if it's like the shadow has ruined my memory, but in my memory, the knife comes to life in the Golden Child as well. Doesn't the golden child make the dagger like float or something though, as opposed to definitely does that.
2: And he also makes the can of Pepsi walk. You can buy a handcrafted Buddhist three faced Ferba dagger on wish for $16. I would love to do that just to see what it looks like whenever you get it or what actually comes in. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. It's got no pedestal. That's kind of the reason why it's so cheap, I'm guessing. (laughs) It's going to bite the shit out of you because you don't got the right stuff. Probably the Wish.com one really does come to life and bite you. (laughs) (laughs) It's legit. It's the only legit thing they sell. For
0: $16? Yeah, get some gloves. The flying knife was cool, though, I'll say. Well, look, throw it on the account. I mean, that's the kind of stuff Megan and Steve are paying for. So, yeah, they'll scoop that up. Right. (laughs) Get us a Furba. We need to set up a P.O. box. <laughs> From
2: Wish. We'll see it in six years after we've forgotten we ever ordered it. <laughs>
0: a biting furba.
2: Alec Baldwin is the hero of Tibet or something. Some contrived reasoning why he is the shadow. He has to be the shadow because he's got this. He's like
0: a warlord. Yinku, the butcher.
2: In my favorite bit, he gets dragged
1: to this tent, and they say there's a temple there, and he goes, that tent is your temple? And then the fog
2: lifts, and he goes, oh, there it is. I should have seen it. Yes, and that's Chekhov's fog. Mind fog. Chekhov's mind fog is, you know, just like in the
0: old play. Um, Yeah, so then he does like a train him up totally off screen. What the fuck? That's what (laughs) I wrote. So it's absurd. They do, the whole
2: exposition, the the whole intro is completely pointless because they could have done it all with a crawl. This man was a warlord and was trained. They could have saved a lot of money on doing the Mindfog twice and the Furba twice.
0: Let's workshop this a bit. So, to get to the warlord status, instead of doing all that stuff, have him like doing like a raid or something that goes wrong. They show wrong. him doing a raid in a flashback. He's like the last. Yeah. Exactly. They had that filmed. Just start with that raid, have that raid go wrong, and he stumbles off. He's the lone survivor. All of his guys get killed he ends up at the temple. Way better. Or during the battle he's taken away and then taken to the temple. Easy.
2: He hears a voice in his head that says like open your eyes and then he looks up or open your heart and then he sees this, the temple and then done. Done. You don't need that and then you, but, I don't know, man. Then why put I think they did the dagger
1: stuff just because they fucking could. It should have been 45 minutes of feudal China and then it should
0: have been 45 minutes of 30s New York. And that would have been the movie. (laughs) To have that and also a crawl is pretty ridiculous. If you're going to have a crawl, why don't we just start in 30s? Anyhow, we don't see any of his training. We don't know all the shit he can do. But that's fine. I don't really need that. We've all listened to the radio play. He can cloud men's minds. Whenever you do the flashback
2: of him being a warlord, that's whenever you do that. You can keep that whole scene with the Furba if you want. You don't change anything. You take the crawl out and you do it in 30s radio play instead. Here's what you do. There's no picture at all for an hour and a half. That's much better. I'm here for it.
0: It's just an audio book that you go to the theater to hear. And you just bring in a Tibetan shaman to project the images directly into your mind. Okay. Now we're talking. I would have paid a shaman to watch it. Okay. Now here's, here's what I'm really talking about. We might
2: never get this off the ground.
0: I didn't know that this was a thing, but is actual cement shoes that's literal that's like a literal thing I didn't think it was until they got there. I guess so. I thought that that just meant that they'd like put a bunch of chains on you and throw you off a bridge <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, here's what's going on there's a man who's who's been taken by these gangsters and fitted for actual cement shoes one cement block. Yes. And they, well, you know, you put your feet in the forms, Dave. I mean, that's not smooth. You just take the form off and then they're blocks. How you make cement blocks? It was not cracked at
0: all. It's like a box and you dump cement, you make them stand. Here's the thing. They make them stand in there for what? How long do you have to stand in <laughs> How long does that take to sit? It's like a day.
2: 14 hours it has to dry. It'll yeah. be a long time. Yeah, so... Oh for night for sure. Yeah. The gangster checks at the cement's dry by like running his knife across and he's like, "Yeah, it's dry, boss." I'm like, "If it wasn't dry, you would definitely have known by now. It would have been goopy cuz it would have just been like wet cement." Anyway, you get to hear Alec Baldwin's famous laugh it happens the whole movie. He's just laughing at everything.
0: Ah, ah, yeah. Ah, 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 ah,
2: ah. You know who that guy is in the cement shoes? That's Sab Shimono. It's a professor, Lord Norinaga from TMNT3.
0: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Dr. Roy Tam, it is. Wow. The nerdaplexy-connected universe is pretty wild here. This is number two for Sab Shimono. Wow, he's on the list.
2: Just narrowly behind John Polito.
0: Yeah, one of the shadow's powers is ventriloquism.
1: It's not actually ventriloquism. They just can't see him other than his shadow, but the fog is there, so it's, like, blocking his shadow. And... That's why they can't. It's not ventriloquism. He's actually just in someone's ear, like, super close. I like the
2: picture of that, that he's standing right by them. <laughs> he's ASMRing them. No, because nobody else
0: hears it but the guy. You'd think that everybody would hear it. Because he's brain-talking them. He's got that power. So the the mob boss goes on the Tommy Gun Rampage and shoots the shit out of everything,
1: including his own car.
0: Oh, yeah, he fucks this shit right up. I don't know what, where he thinks he's going to go after that. How are you going to get out of here after you fucking... Anyhow... But uh, the shadow costume itself, like the look, prosthetics aside, is quite dope. He's got like chromed out forty fives, a red scarf, a big hat, a long trench coat, cape-looking thing. He looks cool. I like the look. He looks like Dark Man two point fancy Dark Man, gentleman Dark Man. Yes, the non dumpster Dark Man.
2: He actually looks like Dark Man's. Like, his prosthetics don't look dissimilar to Darkman's rubber face. That's true. You're not wrong. And maybe after 90
1: minutes or whatever, it burns up.
0: Perhaps he is the final shemp.
2: <laughs> <laughs> See, you got to listen
0: to every episode now. <laughs> So Shadow frightens the bad guys away. He beats up the other guys or whatever. And then to free the professor, the doctor, from his cement shoes, pulls out his forty-five and just blasts him. Dude's foot was definitely shot at least once. The ricochets from the cement itself. Anyhow, he shoots him free. Magic guns. He's got Shadow guns. And then he, he gives him a magic decoder ring. And demands his servitude. His lifelong servitude and gives him a secret ring so that other people will know him. And it's the most conspicuous ding dang thing. And I understand it's for the camera. It's all for the camera so the camera can see who's in on it and it could be a good visual gag. But that thing is like, that's a full Knuckles worth a ring, baby. That's a big boy. <laughs> that's a Sonic and Knuckles worth a ring. Are you getting paid? I wish. Dave, you have to tell us. If this is promoted content from faceofdave.com, you have to tell us. No,
2: I'm not being paid. I wish. Olive Garden, get at me. So uh, to the scene to pick up the shadow is Peter Boyle. Great character actor, Peter Boyle. Ray's dad, Peter Boyle. Frankenstein's monster. Oh, Sam. I
1: just saw the chat. I'm sorry.
2: (laughs) Yeah, sorry. (laughs) We will see Sab Shimono again in our
0: Waterworld episode. <laughs> I
2: think I'm I'm sick that day.
0: <laughs> well, we'll find out, I guess. Tell you what, one of the most frequented live shows in Universal's history. Waterworld.
2: There you go. So the Shadow has quite a crew of people that work for him. All he has to do is have saved their lives once. But it turns out it's only two people that we get to
1: see. <laughs> I don't know. There's lots of handoff stuff. That's true. There's a couple handoff things.
2: Well, there's also Burbank, the guy who's doing the handoff stuff. And Burbank is uh is Andre Gregory from Demolition Man, the warden. Oh. Who gets his eye poked out. So that's cool. That is cool. Is that the basement man with the tubes? Yeah, yeah. basement man with tubes. Cut to Cobalt Club. Another lounge.
0: Uh-oh. Yep. Lounge singers. Another lounge act. We got a whole club musical number. It's pretty good. And Jonathan
2: Winters, another in memoriam. He stopped being comedian quite a few years ago.
1: Yes, that's true. Because he's dead. Best friends of Robin Williams at the time.
2: Yes, Uncle Wainwright. Yeah, Robin Williams, no longer good friends with Jonathan Winters. (laughs) (laughs) He's the police commissioner. Yes, the commish. Lamont Cranston does some good Jedi mind tricks. I even wrote that he's a
0: Jedi. Oh, I really like this. I really enjoyed this. All of the use of the powers, I think, is actually pretty cool, especially like the, the mind stuff. Because in this scene, he leans back a little bit and is in total shadow, except he's got this Adam's family Morticia strip right across his eyeballs, and his eyes change from blue to brown. And during the Jedi mind trick, basically, yeah. We
2: also see what's his girlfriend's name? Margot. Margot. Thank you.
0: Yes, we see Margo, the first entrance of Penelope Ann Miller, as Margo Lane. This is an actual mm. m- meet cute. Mm-hmm. And, okay, so so they have a psychic connection. By the way, may I pause it? May I pause it? Please do. A psychic cute? <laughs> it's the best you could get. Mystique
1: cute? ESP Pete cute? Prognostic cute? esp cute i think is i think that might be the winner thank you but then he orders in mandarin and i was more annoyed that felt more like a frat boy thing to do than it did somebody who grew up in china
2: i don't know man if you can
0: speak mandarin you go for it any opportunity dude i guess any but here's the real question here's the real question did he uh did he mind trick her
2: no he couldn't mind trick her we get that rich tapestry that Margot could not possibly have her mind controlled until it does until it does.
0: Yeah. Well, she has her own psychic abilities apparently. And eventually Lamont, because Lamont uses his powers
1: for good, he can't mind trick her because he's not using it to try to, like, debilitate her. But because of the Khan is doing it for evil, he does it full blast. That's why he can mind trick her.
0: He's breaking the rules or whatever. It's not suggestion it'd be command.
1: Yeah, he goes too
0: far. Now, they go to a uh, a restaurant and they get a Peking duck. Is that what it is? Yes. And that's where we get one of these. We get so many good lines. Some like turn to the camera and looks out of Baldwin here where he, he senses... The arrival of the aforementioned con, he says, someone's coming.
1: I called him Chekhov's con. Okay. Schrodinger's con also. Because he's in a box and he's neither alive nor dead until the box opens.
0: (laughs) So the the sarcophagus gets there. This one's made out of silver, though. Yes. And uh, it, it arrives at the museum Unannounced. And they have, like, a cool little bit where the guy's like,
1: this is beautiful, and then it starts to Hellraiser open and move itself, and instead of Pinhead,
2: it's a con. The security guard is Nelson. Poor guy. Yeah, another great character actor played Neelix in Star Trek Voyager. Oh. I don't have his name written down, but, yeah. He's in a bunch of stuff. He sings a lullaby of Broadway.
0: Run along and listen to lullaby. we'll hear again later. So the sarcophagus arrives and these two doctors or museum people they come down and am like well we're not doing any deliveries and they go and, and the one guy sees and he goes oh, This is the silver coffin of Temujin. Who's Temujin? The man who very
1: nearly conquered the globe eight centuries ago.
0: And the one guy says well how do I why haven't <laughs> I heard of him? And he says Temujin was the birth name of Genghis Khan. Why would you just fucking say that? Temujin. What? what the fuck out of here. And then it wasn't Genghis Khan. It was a different Khan.
2: He was gatekeeping.
0: Yeah. But it was Genghis Khan's coffin, though, or sarcophagus. That is true. It's like his yeah. great nephew or some bullshit but the guy comes out he's been absorbing the con's latent i guess the con was psychic as well power and um he doesn't he does our boy nelson straight dirty and makes him shoot himself in the brain case
2: he says join me or die and he doesn't really give nelson a good chance to join cuz nelson's mm-hmm. kind of bewildered nelson's like we are closed was the joining the killing i don't i guess it's just not in human nature to just join some crazy guy you just met but he came out magically of a sarcophagus. I probably would have just joined him.
1: <laughs> Since we
2: tipped a bit that this is an ancestor of Genghis Khan, a baby Genghis, if you will. She won. Yes. I just saw this. Based on DNA data of 2003, about 8% of the men living in Mongolia are related to Genghis Khan, or roughly 0.5% oh, of yeah. the male population of the world, which would translate to approximately 5 to 6 million descendants in 1930s. Woo. He got He got around. So not an elite club. Him being the only descendant is kind of, you know, that's a big reach. Well, I can't even. Yeah, I mean, my man. But anyway, that's better if we're talking about Kant. I know. Uh,
1: okay. Yeah, that's true. We're talking about Khan. I don't know.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, we Khan. <laughs>
0: The little gag with the opening and closing of the clasps, I did really like, Dave. I, I do. Um, that was the fun bit. I
2: thought that was cool.
0: Yeah, it was kind of like a very evil, dead little comedy, a spooky comedy moment there.
2: My favorite moment of the movie happens not too long after that, where they have discovered that the security guard has committed suicide. And mm-hmm. this con is just standing among statues, like trying not to be noticed. And it's hilarious.
1: A very Hanna-Barbera moment.
2: <laughs> exactly. And this dude can control minds, but he's still like, whoop, if I stand perfectly still, they'll think I'm a mannequin. Maybe he can't control that many minds at once. He did just wake up. He hasn't had his coffee yet. I think we find out later that he can control everyone's mind at once. He just woke up. Okay. What?
0: Okay. No, the the logic of this movie, because, okay, it's shitty. So there's a bunch of Mongolian warriors running around what's this New York or whatever? I don't know. Yes, that wretched city. They're running around wretched city in full fucking get up. They've got their full Mongolian armor on. They must have been here before because as we find out later in the Day New Mall, the fucking hotel monolith has been psychically erased. So he must have been there already. Or, because when he approaches it the first time after he gets out of the sarcophagus, the lot is already empty. People already see it as an empty lot.
2: Am I to believe that no one's walked through that lot? So, if he's able to control everyone's mind, it's not too far a stretch to say he can make them forget that the hotel monolith was there anytime he wants and forget that they ever knew it was there. Just remember that it was torn down.
0: I thought that was like 10 years
2: ago. Yeah, but I mean that could have been the memory he put in there that's the mind fog baby he incepted it the fog of the mind in the mind like you said it wasn't suggestion it was control just you could suggest yeah that don't look for the shadow but you can also say not only is the hotel monolith not there now it has not been there for a long time
1: hey why did not the shadow say don't look at my feet to people Like, why didn't he at least control that? Because half the time that they find him, if they look at his feet and they say, oh, look, there's little footy prints in the water or something. He's definitely standing there so I could shoot at him. Why didn't he at least do that? Like, hey, don't look at my animated feet. And the shadow might have gotten away. I hate this movie.
2: (laughs) You mean psychically convince people to not look at the place where he can obviously be seen?
1: Yeah. Like, hey, don't look down. That's silly. Look straight ahead.
2: What I don't understand is if you have a power to make it so people can't see you, shouldn't that power be also to make it so you can't be seen anywhere, right? It would make them, yeah, it would fill in those holes. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, All that to say, we cut to Tim Curry, Ian McKellen. Tim Curry? Uh, Tim Curry, who we will see is again your standard business, in, in uh, Tale of Creep? Two Kitties.
0: Oh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you come to find that Ian McKellen is making some kind of a... Nuclear weapon for whatever reason. No, it's totally harmless. It's an implosion device. An implosion device, but with a beryllium sphere, which Tim Curry's got on deck, will be made into mm-hmm. that device. Um, he sees Margot in the hallway. Tim Curry does. He he hits on her pretty hard, and she says, "I'm not interested in your spheres, Mr. Claymore." Which is good. Testicle joke. Testite cute. No, <laughs> it would just be testicute.
0: Yeah, it's good. It's good interactions here. I really like Ian McKellen as like the weird, you know, absent-minded professor Tim Curry here doing some great, like, kind of monster work. Yet again, he's another villain. This movie's full of villains. Penelope Ann Miller is really fun. I really liked her character. She's really going for it. Even the uh, character actors, the guards at the door of Doctor Lane's office are also guys that you've seen before. This movie's just full of folks. The con takes a taxi. Yeah, so this doesn't make any sense either. He's going to cover his tracks. Since the taxi driver,
2: Larry Hankin, by the way, another character actor, got 197 roles. Yeah, another dude. He's the TV Kramer on the Seinfeld TV show within Seinfeld. I also wrote that he has played a homeless man in episodes of four different series. ER, Malcolm in the got- Middle, Joan of Arcadia, and Monk. You gotta look. Mr. Monk and the Missing Granny.
0: Joan of Arcadia. That one's from personal experience. I know my man Sam loves Joan of Arcadia.
2: <laughs> 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 we'll talk about that on the mini. <laughs> he's also played God twice. But in this instance, the con is not happy that he's making note of places he's dropped people off. Even as absurd as that might be. And he makes his second person commit suicide by driving into a gas tank, speaking of. Rocketeer.
0: To remain anonymous, he doesn't want anyone to know that he was here. His credit coverage strikes. He has the guy blow himself up on the corner of his fucking criminal empire.
1: My dude must have been writing down, Genghis Khan went down 34th Street. Yeah, dropped drop
0: this Genghis Khan-looking motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. He didn't write who was in the fucking taxi. He just wrote where the taxi went. Well, we get to see the shadow network at play, all the Dakota rings this a little fun handoff scene. We get to see Burbank down in the basement with his pneumatic tubes c g Rube
2: Goldbergian vacuum tubes, yeah.
0: It's pretty stupid. We probably could have cut that out. We don't really need to see
2: that at all. We, we could skip that altogether. The thing I'm taking into my personal life, though, is when he gets into a cab, he says, To the Sanctum. As I get in an Uber, I'm just going to be like, To the Sanctum. Is that the address that you put in on your phone? And he'll be like, well, you you already you already programmed the address. <laughs> I'm like, we just stop at McDonald's on the way. That's what I mean. <laughs> the Sanctum's pretty cool. It is. It's a good smoking room, fireplace. Lots of cool contraptions. I really enjoy all of the secret entrance mechanisms. That make me, made me the most jealous. And there's a lot of that in this movie.
0: Levers and... Yeah. Levers and cranks. His his little layer is, is fucking dope. It's got all kind of secret little passages. But unfortunately, his all of his uh, measures to remain anonymous are for naught because Shiwan Khan, he's there waiting for him.
2: Baby Jangis. Shiwan Khan says
0: how great Lamont Cranston's tie is. And it
2: just like goes into a full Brooks Brothers ad. That is a lovely tie, by the way.
1: May I ask where you acquire it? Brooks Brothers. Is
0: that Midtown? 45th and Madison. Yes.
2: (laughs) That's a nod to the advertising that takes place in the radio show. So pretty cool, pretty funny.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that you'd get your, like, Sears brand shadow decoder ring. You could be a part of the shadow network. Help us defeat crime. Drink your oval team. Something along those lines. Those radio programs were always selling that shit. you have to, like, buy it in a box of, like, Quaker Oats oatmeal or something. Cocoa treats. <laughs> I would love to have been, like, a Foley guy for those radio shows. You're, like, like stomping in like, a box of rocks and, like, slapping, like, a ham.
2: You can still slap ham, Reed. Shit like that.
0: Live your best life. You can slap my him. Oh, yeah? So, um, Shiwan has some bourbon. He's always wanted to try. And as a way of payment, flips Cranston a bronzium coin, which uh, he goes to Dr. Tam and later determined that it is bronzium. Apparently, some sort of super secret mythical metal that could also be used to make an atomic bomb.
1: Let me tell you, I hate that they made it mythical metal. Like, he's already a doctor, a scientist. Why didn't they just let it be some science thing? They had to go No, this ancient myth about this weird coin. You don't have a problem with vibranium? I don't. I'm just saying they didn't need to make it mystical Asian metal.
0: Why couldn't it have just been beryllium? Exactly. It could have just, they needed beryllium. old Oh, at what we now know today, what we call today beryllium or something. Give me one of those. Right. They just could have given it science
1: instead of making it mysticism because that never comes back up again.
0: I really did like, though, the bit where Dr. Tam improvs how to make a nuclear bomb. He does a whole Manhattan project in, like, 15 seconds with a a chalkboard. I guess you'd call it an implosive explosive submolecular device. Or an atomic bomb. Hey, that's catchy. That's a good name for it. It will look exactly like this. So then you like cut to Tim Curry, you know, thing just like that. I think for that aspect, it's pretty good. But they're really they're making sure their audience isn't getting away from. Them. And I know that this is like a lens maybe that I work through a lot. But I feel like this is really a movie made for like a drive in because they're playing to the back of the house. There's nothing left to chance. Everything is exactly spelled out. This is a studio picture in a big way and we've kind of been playing in the in the more indie space but man they're really doing it I don't know
1: at
2: this point I wrote there's still 45 minutes left in this movie so uh shiwan Khan is drumming up some information he's doing some spells he's trying to find out where he can get what he needs which is that
0: implosion thing right Ah. This llama cigarette bit is so fucking good. I'd climb a mountain for a llama. Apparently, there was a camel thing that did used to smoke like that, or something like that. billboard the blue smoke. Mm-hmm. Of course, the thirties or forties, whenever this movie takes place, obviously was it like forty two?
1: Camel cigarettes takes away the birthing pains. <laughs>
0: Yes, folks, the pleasing mildness of a camel is just as enjoyable to a doctor as it is to you or me. Try camels yourself. The cigarette so many doctors enjoy. It was like I'd do anything for camels, kind of like that. I'd climb a mountain for a llama or whatever. I'd walk a mile for a camel is what it was. Ah, there you go.
2: So anyway, he he gets this information on Reinhardt Lane, wastes no time, sends his Mongolian crew to Reinhardt's facility to clam him up, and uh, the shadow is there waiting because he got a tiny hint from something or other. I can't remember how he knows. doesn't much matter.
0: Margot has been complaining because he gets hypnotized and starts doing stuff that she won't kind of want him to do.
2: Right. He's speaking Mandarin. Why? Go check this out. So he goes and he sees these Mongolian folks there. They keep popping their head behind plasma spheres. He gets in a big fight. They can't see him. He, he's on a ledge. He knocks a dude down. And. He has a quip with like, "Next time you get to be on top," <laughs> which, out of context, very sexual, and in context, doesn't make any sense at all. Also, in context, it was meant to be sexual, I think. You just mounted a man
0: unto death.
2: Often done in invisible man type movies is just him like beating ass, but you can't see any ass beating. You just see the guy reacting to getting his ass beat, which I would hate to have to act out. They have to feel so silly acting like you're being punched and nobody is doing, nobody's anywhere near you.
0: That must be much better than actually getting, like, punched or falling downstairs or falling off buildings or whatever. Just a day of going, uh. uh." Right.
1: Back to the Punisher, they wanted to be punched. They said it's
2: dishonorable to not be punched. I think they wanted it. Yeah, not these guys. Those fucking guys. (laughs) These guys would love to just move their head as if they're being punched. But anyway, speaking of guys falling off of buildings, I think that same guy that lamont whooped up on on the ledge falls as peter boyle says i sense somebody's coming as a dude falls off
0: the side of the building he's reading out like how to do hypnotism (laughs) or whatever yeah
2: that reminds me of peter boyle's x files episode where he plays an insurance agent who can see the future
1: the actual best episode of x files
2: oh shit it's so funny and that what
0: a great concept that is he can
2: only see how someone's gonna die which great to be an insurance salesman
0: and see that. All his stuff in here is really good. He drives very fast. He's like a grumpy cab driver. It really works. What doesn't work is the shadows shadow powers on Margot that shit don't work at all. Right. He's like trying to convince her to lay off him doesn't happen.
2: But the Khan is able to get some sway over Margot and sends Margot to kill the Shadow. And she's sent to his house, Lamont Cranston's, and doesn't know why until after he's able to snap her out of it and say, well, you must be the Shadow because I was sent to kill the Shadow.
0: Yeah, she had her suspicions, but that certainly confirmed it. It was cool. He, she shot a mirror instead of him, you know, that old, that old chestnut, which will come up again later. So we get to see a face change scene where he goes into shadow mode and just becomes a more angular version of his fucking self. It's like a Picasso Baldwin. All the time in the makeup chair for just that? Are you kidding me? Fuck off. That was like three hours he sat there and got that big ass nose on there for like eight seconds of screen time. Genghis shows up for some sphere
2: stealing. In a suit now, and he's eating like a dog off of a plate. But he's wearing a nice tie undoubtedly from brooks brothers
0: oh yes after that man in full armor tails cranston and then cranston does a switcheroo and then tails him great stupid lines where
2: they're sort of having their tete-a-tete and the con is like uh talking about how america thinks it's this great place to be ruled or whatever he wants to rule the world not just america and uh all i can hear is jack donaghy but lamont cranston goes that's the
0: u.s of a you're talking about pal This man who was a, a warlord in Tibet for multiple years after the war, he's, he's over here talking about this. Yeah, come on, man.
2: Smoking Patriot brand cigarettes. Other stupid lines to follow because they're bringing out the furba and stuff again. The Khan says to Lamont that, Your mind is an open book to me. And then, great, great line because Alec Baldwin is controlling his Mongol security guard to come attack him, but he's like, Then learn how to read. Idiot, basically.
1: Good comeback. I'm rubber, your glue. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and so there's a brief brain fight where they have this psychic battle and then they both have guns and they're so psychically linked because I guess she won killed the old master or some bullshit and they shoot each other's bullet. The tulka. The Talka's is dead as she wants hand. The Pennsylvania Talka. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But yes, like you said, they're so psychically linked that they shoot at each other and the bullets hit hit each other in midair. In the worst effect I've seen in any movie. No, that was badass. That was dope as hell, dude. I hated it. Nah, that was a good one. That was like the best thing in the whole movie. It
1: was like three frames per second.
2: The knife is way worse than that. The knife is bad claymation, but this, on the other hand, was solid. Oh no, I think that might be CG. Look looked like stop motion to me. Yeah, I think so. It was because it was three frames per second. They didn't have the, the CPU for it. Neither would surprise me.
1: That's
0: like that stained glass night or whatever, yeah.
2: But they both get away from each other relatively unscathed, but not psychically because...
0: Cranston goes home and fucking peels his face right off. <laughs> yeah, he has to dream that he peels his face off and he's the
2: con after all. This was the only part of the movie I really liked when they were talking about dreams
1: because Margot stayed. Hilarious. I
2: was lying naked on the beach in the South
0: Seas. The tide was coming up over my toes. The sun was beating down. My skin was
2: hot and cool at the same time. It was wonderful. It was a horny dream anyway.
0: She basically, the
2: beach made her fucking bust a and she's like, well, what did you dream of? And he's like,
0: I dreamed I tore all the skin off my face and was somebody else underneath.
2: <laughs> and then he gets to say that he's psychically,
0: like, I'm very well endowed. I'll bet you are. Of course. So there's a, there's a couple of fights here. There's a moment where a guy falls off a building and bounces. It's fucking so good.
2: Oh, that's the third guy that the con makes kill himself because he's like, nice dress, toots. Yes. That dude is Patrick Fischler, who's in Twin Peaks and Mad Men, another great character actor.
1: The Utz uh, Chips guy
2: in Mad Men. Uh-huh. Man. Yeah, the comedian guy.
1: Take it from the nut. Utz are better than nuts.
2: But yeah, he makes him kill himself, and he sings the lullaby of Broadway to him. on all long man. me down, A lullaby of Broadway. Me down. Oh. Before he does. So it's second instance of lullaby of Broadway. Third time he kills a guy. And also him falling off the building done with another great comedic bit because
0: Alec Baldwin says, It's all falling into place for me now. As the dude bounces. You can see it in the background. It does fall into place for Tim Curry as he's trying to do a murder of the shadow in a big old water tank. This is the feet in the water scene. The shadow is invisible, but Tim Curry can see his feet taking up space, which is, I don't know, seems kind of weird. He's drowning in this tank. He can't get out. And he psychically calls Margo to come save him and makes her open the door. Yeah. <laughs> and about kills this lady. All the water of this whole tank comes rushed out. It's like 30,000 gallons of water blast Margo off the building. I
2: liked watching Alec Baldwin put his mouth against that hole on the wall. Oh, yeah, sucking in the air. and Breathe out the bullet hole. Clever. That awakened something in me. His lips desperately... <laughs> No, it's just something about Alec
0: Baldwin suffocating, I think. <laughs> oh, no. So, yeah, this is when we have Margot and Cranston going over his past, and he tells her all about his Yinku and all this shit. It's fine. It's good. But why? We don't need this. I think Yinko Baloba is supposed to be really good for memory. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, well, he tells her about how we killed all the men and women and children, Tuscan Raider style. They're like animals, and I slaughtered them like animals. I hate them. And she's, yet again, pretty chill about it. She got was an awful long time ago. So, in a twist, I didn't expect this, but she won Khan. He's kidnapped the professor. Tim Curry's character can also make stuff a new bomb. He's got his bomb, and what he does is Dr. Evil-style sends a letter to the fucking newspaper and holds the city for ransom (laughs) for $1 billion.
2: A fantastic trope. The spinning newspaper comes up, and there's an uh, honest-to-God
0: newsie saying,
2: extra, extra, read all about it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't get it. This is where we find uh, out finally about the hidden monolith hotel. I love that scene because... Alec Baldwin looks like a gleeful child
2: when he figures out he's like, oh, he's done it. This is what he did. And he's got like this huge smile on his face. The most admiration probably for the madman that he could show.
1: It was also the most
0: architectural admiration. They kept saying how beautiful this building was. Looks okay. He talks more positively about Shiwan Khan than he ever does Penelope Ann Miller. Oh, he has a thing. I want to see a fan edit for that. You mean the fanfic.
2: They're psychically linked.
0: Oh, this is when we get to see inside the Monolith Hotel. And I got to say, the visuals in this movie are great. She won in his ceremonial garb and all of like the fractal patterns and it's moving across the ground. This is great. Really exciting stuff. Claymore, the Tim Curry character here, gets to take quite a little uh, a cliff dive, basically. This is where we get to see the denouement here. Cranston and won Khan are having a fight. Shiwan turns on the spinning floor he's installed in this hotel in his innermost sanctum for party nights, I guess. And they have a psychic knife fight.
1: Also, it's important to bring up that Claymore is the only human that joined Khan without being forced to. He was the only one that was given the option. He goes, yeah, okay.
2: Also important to point out that he's very sweaty in the scene whenever <laughs> whenever him and him and the shadow meet up again he's very sweaty and he has a truly haunting visage and he's like cackling and calling the shadow a chicken and stuff it's very scary looking another rampage scene yeah all this while peter boyle is sitting outside with an umbrella in the rain says that he, he really loves the excitement of the
0: job the kind of final scene is a mirror fight, which a lot of movies seem to end in a hall of mirrors. Then we get a little bit of defusal hijinks with Margot and the professor. The colorblind professor. A true comedy of errors. A lot of defusing. There's like some red-green bit. The doctor's colorblind, I guess, and they can't tell the colors apart. So that solves the bomb problem. And in the final moments, apparently the shadows... He moves from telepathic to telekinetic and shoots a mirror shard into Shiwan's Khan's brain, effectively lobotomizing him and then getting him locked up in a mentalist decision. He orgasms the mirrors into shattering, too, which I thought was interesting.
1: Yeah, he did. He did hard in the mirror.
2: He's like, oh, 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 and then everything shatters. But yeah, another great bit, though. You said he he lobotomized him with, <laughs> with the sharp mirror bit. And at the end, Khan is in a psychiatric hospital after being lobotomized. And there's a good bit where he's like, I am C1
0: Khan, the last descendant of Gingrich Khan.
2: And then everyone else in the hospital is like, I'm
0: Houdini. I am Theodore Roosevelt. I am Napoleon. I'm just-
2: the you know, weird I'm Spartacus trope only for crazies. More like in the mouth of madness where he's like i didn't do it and
0: other guys are like yeah me neither like or you know I'm, I'm not crazy either and that takes us out to credits that's it and then there's a million sequels the beloved franchise that is the shadow every year we get a new the shadow shadow extended universe movies yes the claymore intro claymore origin story origin story thank you
1: the Claymore origin claim origin story.
0: The claim origin, yeah, that's how most folks would recognize that. But I think it's about time that we step into that pulsing void in the ground. It's time to hop in the comic convergence.
2: You could call this a comic conversion because we know that uh, Bob Kane says that the shadow was a major influence on Batman, which is why he has that cool sanctum and. A lot of similarities between Batman and The Shadow.
0: The Shadow was uh, an American uh, radio program ran from 1937 to 1954, long running. Um, And the Shadow character is much like the one that you saw in the movie. It's uh, a cape vigilante. Um, He was also featured in Shadow magazine as one of the most... Enduring creations of the pulp era. So a lot of good pulp stuff went on with this. And it's basically the same character. He tracks down criminals. They do a couple of ad breaks. They talk about, you know, the shadows. And the laugh is really what happened. The shadow knows what larks in the hearts of men. That's how it opened up every episode. And it it always ended with the shadow doing a big old laugh Um, they're pretty uh, available to find if you want to give the originals a listen they're not too hard to track down there's some websites that have them pretty well available there it's like 20 minutes apiece.
1: That's the kind of voice that should have read The Crawl. That would have made it much more The Shadow. 30s radio voice.
0: This movie, uh, the budget was $25 million. It opened up at $11.7 million. The worldwide final gross on this bad boy was $48 million. So, not bad. Not too shabby. This is a nice summer movie. Go inside, get out of the heat, sit in the air conditioning for a little while, watch a little picture. On the tomato meteor tomato meteor <laughs> on the tomato meter we've got a score of 34 percent. the audience score better but still not good less than morbius at a 44 percent. i think that's i think that's some solid that's where morbius should be i think it's in the same zone and i think these movies are kind of similar they are in a way in that they exist and it is a movie and there's a plot and there's like a love interest and it, things happen uh but it's also just kind of meh I don't know if I would have ever put this one back on if we weren't doing it for this show. But the visuals and the score were both pretty good. So, you know, something to think about. That's something I liked about this. So I think it might be time to move in our penultimate segment where we decide what we liked and what we disliked in a way and format that is broken down and easy to digest, maybe summed up in an easy-to-remember phrase. Who's your hero? Who's your villain?
1: My hero in this is Mo. He. Had the only funny lines of the movie. Mo Peter Boyle, yeah. Yeah, Peter Boyle. I think he was great. I, I can't wait to see what he's in next. Uh, first, I think he died in 2006. Yeah, he's dead.
0: <laughs> he had a ton of great lines. His deliveries were rock solid for sure.
1: Yeah, he was awesome. Probably the best character actor to have been. He was awesome. Moe was
0: great. I think my hero, I really got a root for my man Nelson, the security guard. He was just really enduring. He did like I really felt bad when he got killed. Normally that character I don't care about at all, but he had a like thirty seconds on screen, and I really felt his death. So Nelson's my hero.
2: My hero is Jonathan Winters, police commish. Yeah, the police commish. I feel like he didn't have a whole lot to do with this movie, but I think that's what makes his role so much more tolerable. He didn't contribute to the bad. <laughs> He was just kind of like an instrument of Alec Baldwin to not follow his vigilante exploits. And to stand up at dinner. Right. He ate a lot of food, so I can relate there. A pretty great character <laughs> in general. Just just completely pointless. Doesn't make any sense to exist in the movie. Didn't have to, but was glad he was there. He's like a friend. Yeah. In the darkness, you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> a little island- an oasis. the oasis in the storm, yes, certainly. Well, as is tradition, Sam, you have gone last for hero, so now you may go first for villain.
2: My villain is the talka for arbitrarily choosing a warlord to be his American hero. Yeah. I really don't understand the logic there. Mm. I don't know why you have to be... like. There has to be a lot of darkness for there to be light, maybe, you know... They do that. I think he was just a shitty judge of character. That's why he picked a con after that. I think it was completely pointless. Like, I guess maybe I'm teetering here because somebody has to know what evil lurks in the hearts of men and who knows better than someone who has been evil himself, maybe. I don't know, but I don't think so. I think that's the reasoning, yeah. But I I don't think so. I think most of your... It's not great reasoning. I don't buy it. Most of your great superheroes were not evil as hell before they were superheroes. They just he did
1: train a serial killer to have this same power and live forever.
2: Exactly. That's the other thing. Right. So who he chose as his like second disciple is gone into direct conflict with his first disciple. He just wasn't a very choosy mom. So he didn't choose Jeff. He is skippy kind of mom.
0: On that same note, my villain is Yinku the Butcher, the man whom Cranston was and is, I guess, as the opium warlord. I hated this whole part of the movie. We didn't need to see this. I hated his fingernails. I hated his long hair. But did you like his silk pants? Silk pants? I liked his silk pants. I don't like how easily he was captured. The guy just walked up and like karate chopped Mm -hmm. him in the neck or whatever. He fell down and that was it. That's kind of what
2: I mean, right? He didn't show any reason to have a particular aptitude towards heroism, which is why there should have been more done in the training. Or psychicness or anything. There should have been a training montage or something that makes any sense at all.
0: Or in that first scene with David Hong, he walks in and then he's like, no, I think you're lying. And it shoots and it turns out he was right or something like that.
1: Mm-hmm. It's something.
0: A bone. I don't know. I think this movie was overwritten. The studio came in and gave it a... Too many notes. I don't know. I'd love to see the original intent because I'm sure this is not it.
1: My villain is the shadow himself. He does carry guns. He does kill. Right. It's not very cool of a superhero to be like the murder type. He convinces Claymore to kill himself even, which seems like a pretty grim way of doing it. I think he's not a great hero.
2: It just shows that he's not too dissimilar to Shiwan Khan, who makes everyone who's inconvenient to him kill themselves. Right. You know? He wants to do
0: the dirty thing, but he doesn't want to get his hands
2: dirty. He's a bad hero. He's not good.
0: Yeah, seems if that was the line that Shiwan had crossed that made him bad, he just did it. Yeah. Well, we know what evils lurk in 1994's The Shadow. It's all of it. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's an easy question. I don't think Dave's mind is too hard to peer into on this subject. Dave, would you recommend this movie?
1: Only to people I didn't like.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Only to your arch nemesis, the Khan. Indeed. Sam, how about you? I would say,
2: no, I wouldn't recommend it, but not because I didn't enjoy anything or any parts of it. I enjoyed several parts of it. It just, like, wasn't a great flick in general. It could have been better. This is a long-winded way of saying, I think it was fine. I think it was fine. I
1: think Sam has to have a podcast called If You Can't Say Anything Nice, Don't Say Anything At All. Because he finds the nice thing to
0: say about every movie. It's fine. Sam's exactly right. It's just fine. This is kind of a nothing movie. And honestly, I don't know that it's worth spending two hours of your life on.
2: If someone came to me and said, Sam, I have a unique quandary. I need... Uh-huh. to see an Alec Baldwin film. I need it to be <laughs> comic related or radio show related. Uh huh. Okay. I really like Ian McKellen. Huge Ian McKellen stand. Yeah. Of course. But only when he works in tandem with Tim Curry, which is a couple times. Not often enough. Not often enough. <laughs> it's it's a specific taste what enjoys this movie.
0: Under those specific set of parameters.
2: I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, I would say watch The Phantom instead. I wouldn't say watch The Phantom either.
0: Yeah, I don't recall that being particularly well-regarded. I would say, how do you feel about Stephen Baldwin? <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I would say. If this was your like go-to as a kid... If you were a real shadow head as a, a youngin', which I can't imagine anyone was, I'll say I
2: kind of was because they introduced us to the radio teleplays in grade school whenever the TV wasn't working or they didn't have a Bill Nye, the science guy, to show us that day. And our teacher was hungover. Right. They would trot out some of the shadow. And I remember thinking that was really cool. And that was like one of the first things I remember like searching on, I don't even know what the search engine would have been back then, Metacrawler. Lycos just trying to find, like, recordings of the shadow. I love radio plays. And I really did enjoy it, but it's not like that necessarily lends itself to visual medium. Yeah. There's a lot what can be done in imagination that they tried to kind of accomplish here that was just kind of left a lot to be desired.
0: This seems like a boardroom pitch where they're sitting around and saying, you know what, that Batman movie made a ton of money. What licenses do we have? Forget the shadow. It's basically Batman. All right. To be honest, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that the reason why Sam Raimi wasn't able to get the rights for the shadow at the time is because Zemeckis had been kind of sniffing around and thinking that he had an idea for the shadow, which never got off the ground. I would have loved to see a Raimi the shadow. I would still love to see a Raimi the shadow. Yeah, same here. You can kind of see it. I think The Shadow would be more psychological than he is here, less punching. Darkman was a much better Shadow
2: movie than The Shadow.
0: Definitely. So if you want to see a Shadow movie, go watch Darkman. How about (laughs) that? All right. Well, let us know what you thought of this uh, serialized crime fighter please head on over to nerdaplexy.com. Log into your favorite podcast app and give us a five-star rating. That would be great. You know, hit us up. Uh, You can send your shadow thoughts to us at nerdoplexy at gmail.com. Very special thanks to the cast and crew of The Shadow. Uh, I you know, we just kind of dunked on your film a lot there, guys, but we know that you worked very hard to make it happen and honestly, the movie looked great. You watched this baby on mute. <laughs> so that might be something. <laughs> but, uh, like I said, let us know what you thought. Also, special thanks to our very special patrons, Steve And Megan, thank you guys so much for supporting the show. Let us know what you'd like to hear less of or more of, and you can send that information over to our social media manager at NerdaplexyPod on Twitter. It's Dave. You can also hit me up
1: at the face of Dave on Twitter, and uh, you could send me your fanfic. Your who do you stand? Which two characters do you stand on the Shadow? Because I, I don't think there was any chemistry between uh, Lamont and Penelope for sure, or between anyone. So
0: who, who do you stand on the Shadow? Uh, you know who I stand. On? I stand Lamont, and uh, she won. I think they had. The, I thought they were going to kiss on multiple occasions. That would have been a much better twist. Send us, send me your shiwan slash Vic over at Pgh underscore read Sam's at Pgh underscore SvH. Please join us next time. We're we're really zagging. We've had a lot of thumb movies. We're zagging into some Jean Claude Van Dam, baby. It's Time Cop. Oh man, Time Cop. Oh, what a beautiful thing. That's like music to my ears. I know that this is comic related somehow, but I'm not sure how, but we'll let you know all about it on that episode. I hope it isn't, but we're still doing it. Make sure to check that out. But until we meet again, i would like to leave you with this thought to ponder. Is this the legend of the hidden temple that
2: Nickelodeon was on about?
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is the shit
2: Olmec was on.
1: Welcome to the Nerd and Comic Movie Review Show.